when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. The Thunderbird 144-8 for John Montgomery. It is Thunderbird with the Canada. Montgomery takes gold and it's good. The Caps have a 20. Oh, Torobrad has gone smack. Torobrad is an Olympic gold medalist. Chuck scores. It's Poulin again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Nadezhka touch for the line. 121 it is off the podium an olympics podcast coming your way today for another athlete interview an exciting interview coming from the great sport of alpine skiing and we are set to talk today to a two-time canadian olympic alpine skier lawrence saint germain and it is a fantastic chat here to learn about her journey through the sport competed in both pyeongchang and beijing slalom specialist and as you'll hear me say in just a few moments big fan of slalom i often have talked it up a lot over the years on the show and as always it's an incredible journey into the sport starting off young why she chose alpine as a discipline her dad was a decent mogul skier so she explains why slalom was her choice in the sport of skiing we also learn about some fun other sports that she competed in growing up including one sport that she even represented her region at at the quebec games as a kid that not a lot of people even are aware of that she did that. So it's a fantastic journey. And another sport, she also nearly represented Quebec in at the Canada Games. It has absolutely no relation to skiing. So, uh, so many great things that we learned from this chat. Also find out about her thoughts on her performances in both Pyeongchang and Beijing, her hopes moving forward to future Olympics as well. And just what she thinks of New Zealand. She's currently in New Zealand at the time of recording this. And uh, nice little fun chat around our good old neighbours from Australia over there in New Zealand. So it's a great chat. You're going to get a lot out of it. Here is our chat with two-time Canadian alpine skier, Lawrence St. Germain. Always and excited to talk about alpine skiing on the show, particularly the discipline of slalom. I've talked many times about how my love of slalom came from 1998, watching Zali Stegel for Australia win a bronze medal back in the Nagano Olympics, and I've always been fascinated by it ever since. And I'm so excited to talk today to a two-time Canadian Olympian, competed at the Pyeongchang Olympics as well as the Beijing Olympics. Uh, it's a thrill to welcome to the show Lawrence St. Germain. Lawrence, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Does, does your name sound better or worse in an Australian accent? Because I don't know if I meant to put, like, the French twang on it and be like Laurence or, you know, how it's said, but <laughs> I just say, like, Lawrence. Like, I don't know. Does that sound better or worse? Um, I definitely rather have Laurence than Lawrence because Lawrence is more like a guy's name. And <laughs> I went to school in the U.S. and they used – most of the time my professors thought I was a guy at first, so 
Wow. Okay. I'll try. I'll try. Lorraine. Okay. Like, yeah. People. Well, people call me Low, so you can call me Low. It's easy. Low. Okay. That's easy. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't butcher that one, can I? Yeah. Low. No. Exactly. That's why I'd rather people call me Low, because then Low. Less stressful right. for people, and it's nice. Good. Okay. Well, glad we've got that <laughs> over and done with. Uh, low. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, it rhymes. <laughs> Look at that. We're rapping. We're getting involved in this. Um. But as I said, slalom. I absolutely love it. Alpine skiing in general is a great sport. Uh. I mean. I can assume that as a Canadian, you're born on skis. It's probably something you all do at a young age. But uh, how, how did you get into skiing? Was it a simple case of you're young, you need snow, boom, let's start skiing? Yeah, pretty much. My Both my parents were uh, skiing. My dad was actually a mogul skier um, when he was younger. And uh, I grew up right at the bottom of Montserrat, a little town uh, just 45 minutes outside of Quebec City. And, um, yeah, at three years old, I started skiing just for fun and then at five I did my first M&M race and um yeah then just had fun kept skiing for you a long kept time going through that way I mean with your dad doing moguls was it a case of that you did a lot of freestyle and alpine I mean did you sort of try your hand at all of it before you kind of settle on the fact that you maybe prefer alpine a little bit better not at all actually I just went in the ski club and um we did moguls with my dad more like after the ski club but I always I never really wanted to try moguls i always like going fast and straight <laughs> but then <laughs> no, i chose no slums so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> none of those things that's hurting the knees and all that sort of stuff too which thing i think i find unique is that it seems as though you've just concentrated mainly in slalom your entire career whereas obviously a lot of alpine skiers kind of dabble in a lot of the different disciplines i mean what was it specifically about the slalom that uh, drew to you more so than some of the other alpine events um i actually loved slalom from the beginning the first well Actually, it was more the first time I cross blocked the gate, I knew I loved it, just the rhythm of it. And it was just more fun to punch gates around. Um, but after that, I was just loved it more, quicker rhythm. And I was better at it. I loved it more because I was better at it. I was better at it because I loved it more. I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then throughout my career, um, uh, I got, I had a bit of a up and down career and um, at some point I had to focus more on one event to make it to the national team. And um, I still do GS for training, but mainly been racing slalom since I stopped. Uh, I was, I graduated from university. So It's stress release, I can imagine too, that sort of punching aspect. It's almost like, I guess, kind of crossing boxing a little bit with skiing. So I, I don't think there's uh, too many other skiing disciplines in which, you know, you can actually, you know, you, you're required to really use those fists essentially <laughs> to get down the hill. Well, technically you're not supposed to punch the gates, but because otherwise that's what you do when you, you're young, you try to reach through the gate. You're, they're supposed to be part of your turn, but it's definitely more fun to hit them. Or when you get mad sometimes because you making a mistake, <laughs> a little punch in there. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Give, it, give yeah. it a bit of a hit. Which, I mean, outside of skiing growing up, did you do many other sports? Was there like, say, a summer sport that you like to do when you weren't in the snow? Um, I've, I race biking, road biking, and then I do a lot of mountain bike now in the summer. And um, I played basketball. That was mainly my second sport. Um, actually, not a lot of people know this, but I played ping pong when I was Aww, like really young. Wow. Um, yeah, nice. So <laughs> I, I like getting to... exclusives on this show. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah, actually, don't be ashamed. To... Sell it more. Let's play more ping pong. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I actually never went to the Quebec games in skiing, but I went in ping pong, so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There you yeah. go. That's not on your bio. I couldn't find that in the <laughs> research. How did you do? How did you go at the Quebec games in ping pong? Uh, I think I finished like fifth or something, but wow. I don't think there's many people. So. <laughs> Still, that's all right. Fifth at the Quebec yeah. games in ping pong. That's that's crazy to think that. Wow. I, this is one thing I love about Canada is the fact that there's a Canada games and then each province kind of has the provincial games. I really wish we would do that in Australia because I mean, sort of, I guess jumping forward a little bit here, but I mean, does it help getting a bit of multi-sport experience, even though it's not obviously in skiing, but you know, to experience what it's like to go to a, an event where you're surrounded by multi-sport athletes, different sports, your village live, all those kind of things that you will ultimately will experience in the Olympics. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And I feel like it, it pushes kids to like, it makes it, special for even if you don't make it to a high level at least you had that experience to go to a special game meet like when you're young even if like for me it was in Saint Saint which is like two and a half hours from my house but it was a trip to go there you know and meet other people from the province so it was pretty special to go to a big event like in grade five you know <laughs> it's pretty fun yeah <laughs> which i can imagine the the regional rivalry there in quebec i mean i'll be honest i've only ever been to montreal a couple of times i've never made it to quebec city but based on what i know in the history of say the hockey teams i know that obviously uh, the nordiques and the habs hated each other back in the day but like is that kind of a thing when you go to a quebec games that if you're representing that region it's like beat montreal basically or beat sort of the <laughs> other regions as well yeah yeah it's pretty competitive and each each region has the, their like um how do you say it in English like their screaming like ritual or whatever right, like their yes, song the, you know yep, yep yeah and um and I feel like even now when I speak to younger kids that go to the Quebec games it's still the same songs you know and everyone knows the everyone that made, did a sport know the classic song of the the Quebec games so it's it's very fun. Am I allowed to put you on the spot and ask you what your song was from your region? Actually, I feel like. Quebec City was lame. Like the region of Quebec, we didn't really have a song. Oh. Like I remember like Abitibi-Témiscamingue, which is a super small region. Mm-hmm. And they had like um really song and yeah, I. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'll put you on the spot there, basically, yeah, with that low. But we, we can look this up. We can find out. That's fascinating. That's so interesting to kind of hear that that goes about. Did you get an opportunity to then take your ping pong to the Canada Games or was it a skiing? That, like, did you ever get to represent Quebec at the Canada Games? I was supposed to represent skiing at the Canada Games, but I got hurt before, so I couldn't go. But um, And Canada Games come every four years and the Quebec Games are every year. Um, and I almost represented... Um, the region of Quebec in cycling also, but um, in the end, I didn't make it. Wow. So many different sports here that you're obviously good enough to to represent. That's crazy. Was was this a dream of an Olympic appearance? Was this kind of like trying all these Olympic sports to potentially go towards a dream of making an Olympics? Um, Not really. It's like I always like the stories when kids have posters of the Olympic games and everything in, in their room. And for me, I was so not competitive as a kid. I just loved doing sports. And it was really more um, when I made the national team when I was 20 that I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can make this and like I make, make this my career. But um, yeah, before I just loved doing things, just learning things. And um, I'm a bit of a nerd at school too. So I don't know. I just love learning and I, I love doing sports. So um, my I was probably better at basketball than skiing when 
I chose skiing, and uh, but I just like skiing. <laughs> you like skiing, yeah. So could there would yeah. have been a potential? Do you think a pathway had you stuck with basketball that maybe I could be talking to you here as a, a different form of Olympian, an Olympic basketballer, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Um, I really, I really liked it too, and I was really motivated to do it. And um, um, I feel like, well, I don't know if I would have been good. It's so so hard to say, but I feel like I, I would have kept doing one sport at some point because I was doing so many and I like them all and um but it's really hard to say because it kind of I feel like I I feel lame to say that sometimes I like didn't not didn't try but you have so th- those people that want it so bad and I feel like uh, until I was at a higher level that then I really wanted it but um I guess it's kind of cool too that it's the love of the sport that just made me who I am today and where I am. So, yeah, just different pathways. <laughs> I'm still so fascinated about this ping pong. I'm sorry, but, like, this is just crazy <laughs> because I don't, I don't think I've ever spoken to somebody from uh, table tennis going into skiing. Like, that's, uh, you know, something that I, I can't really see. I mean, you're hitting the ball, you're kind of getting the gates out of the way, maybe there. But, I mean, you're kind of like Forrest Gump, I think, here, Lo. Like, it's just yeah. kind of just all the different <laughs> levels that you're doing. This is crazy. Yeah, well, I do think that the most – the most thing you can do, the better it is for, for your sport, especially skiing. It's such an instinctive sport and you need to have so much feeling in your feet and hand-eye coordination and feet. And um, I feel like everything is good. That's why I like trying many things and learning how to learn too is like, it's not like, for example, tennis, you can really do this movement of hitting the ball slowly and, and you can practice just the movement, but you need the hill you need to go to really far like right now i'm in new zealand and i'm from canada and so when we get 10 runs a day we really need to be able to maximize all we can do in those one minute per run and um, so it's really important to really feel your body and be able to learn how how to learn the fastest you can I guess your parents were probably a bit happy that you chose skiing, though, with the kind of their background. I mean, I know that they're going to be supportive yeah. <laughs> of you no matter what you choose, but was that kind of a secret thing? Was like, yeah, okay, yeah, glad glad you chose the skiing path here. Yeah, probably because too, when they come see me at races, going to see me either in a basketball gym or in a big gym with a bunch of table tennis, they come is curious which is really pretty nice for them also i'm assuming yeah they're not they're not quite you know secretly going out the back and playing ping pong which i can imagine would be a great skill though that like if you've got some downtime in say at an event and there's a, a a ping pong table and if people don't really know your background you could be like hey all right let's let's on and you know they don't know how good you are at it basically so i mean that's kind of like a little hidden little skill you could uh put out there on the road yeah, I definitely pulled it out a few times. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a, this um, this gear from uh, from the US, Lila Lapanya, and she had this mini table. It was, I don't know, probably one and a half meter long. So it was super short. And like, oh, after a race, she's like, oh, do you want to come? I have this little table. And I was like, oh, sure. And didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, what? You're so, like, you're so natural at this. I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> what, what do you know? Well, I just, you know, well, yeah, the things you learn. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should do this more often. Who knows? Wow. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> absolutely crazy. Uh, when it came to, obviously, the, the skiing side of things, so you make your World Cup debut 2015, Get into the top 30, not bad. But then 
the Noram Cup, you uh, finished fourth. I mean, I've always intrigued about the Norams and sort of what that brings in terms of the experience level because obviously it's probably rare, if not ever, that you just go boom straight onto the, the World Cup stage. You want to kind of build yourself up to it. But, I mean, how helpful is it when you're going out there competing against girls who you're going to go on to obviously future competing in the more senior ranks? But how helpful is going on the Noram Tour? It's definitely helpful, um, especially for me since I had kind of a late, um, like late improvement, I guess I can say, because um, I went to university. I was on the development team, then got cut from the team, and then decided to go to uh, University of Vermont. And then if the Norham circuit wasn't there, there's no way I could have made it back on the team and um, to learn how to perform, like. To go on the World Cup without being able to to win a race or to podium at a race is definitely really difficult because in in World Cup you're when you start you want to make it to the top thirty but it's so stressful and I think the best way to learn is really to be able to focus on winning. Learning how to win is so different than learning how to do your best maybe be in top thirty. You know the mindset is totally different and. Um, I think it's really important to really compete against the other people from North America and try to win or podium. But um, I think it's, yeah, it's a very, very important step in the the learning process to make it to the World Cup. Because I can imagine, is it kind of like, I guess, when you go from primary school, elementary school to high school? So sort of when you end elementary you're on top you're kind of like you know you're you're the top grade you're the cool kid you know everybody's sort of looking up to you but then of course the next year when you go to high school you you're straight back down to the bottom again like you got to work your way mm-hmm. up to the top so is it kind of a way you can look at it that like you're doing so well in an oram you're getting top five you're doing this you, as you say you're sort of learning to win and then next season all of a sudden boom you oh, top 30 that's what I, I need to do it's obviously a much of a different experience as you're saying yeah exactly and when when you get the chance to have older girls like people on the national team uh, come to the norms then you can compare it to them and you can still finish on the podium or top 10 you know in the norm it's even if there's some national team girls but you can actually at least compare time-wise where you would be but um sometimes you see in norms there's some national team athletes that come and then you have younger girls beat them in norms and then they go to World Cup and the the younger ones they can't qualify in top thirty and it's just such a different mindset and it's so competitive on the World Cup and but the Norham circuit like you say it's a it's a learning learning process and you need to be aware of what you can get after the you know what the next level is in terms of the top thirty so is that just helps towards an Olympics like with ranking points is that sort of guaranteed qualification top 30 sort of like what is it about that top 30 that is so important to try and achieve um simply because in in World Cup only the top 30 of first run makes it to second run so if you finish 31st after first run you don't even get a second run so you get um no points no um this points like if I guess skiing points and then yeah. Um, once you're in the top 30, you get also World Cup points. Um, so it's really trying to to make it to to make World Cup points. So then you can also 
improve your your start number. So if, for example, in a in a NORAM, you're winning NORAMs, you start you can start between first and seven. Great snow, free like fresh course, and then you go into World Cup and you start. 50 after 49 girls that go down it's pretty rowdy <laughs> so <laughs> it makes a huge difference so if you can make it in top 30 make some points and then you move up a little bit in the in the ranking and then um get a better course and then get a chance to compete against the best it's, it's not like hockey where you just send a zamboni out to smooth out the ice you can't do that after every single competitor <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically as soon as somebody crosses a line the next the next girl's going down right <laughs> yeah exactly there's no much they can't fix the snow really and then not allowed to move gates so um if there's a big hole at a gate you need to be able to do some bobsledding there <laughs> in, in terms <laughs> of the courses you know are they sort of pre-designated so say you go to deer valley for example and and like do you know that there's what the gates are going to be like or do they kind of you know give it to you on the day like sort of how are you how much ahead of time are you made aware what the course is actually going to look like we know we know usually the the hill we're we're on. Um, basically, every year the World Cups are on the same hill. And uh, for slalom and GS, it's two runs, and they set different for every run. So I show up at my race in the morning at let's say eight, and at eight thirty I have inspection, so um, I can slide the course really slowly. I'm not allowed to do any turns in it, and I can just look at it, and then I race an hour later. So I have to do a lot of visualization and just practice. And then I'm allowed to watch the other girls that start in front of me go down. Um, and then they do a fresh other course for the second run. And then it's wow. the combined of the, the two runs. So it's so completely it's, different, yeah, that second run. It's, a, it's yeah. a different course. Wow. Yeah, you can have a complete tourney, crazy course, and then have a mega highway for the second run. It really depends on the person that sets. And then for, for speed, it's a bit different. It's only one run. And usually the courses are a bit more similar because it's high speed. So they follow a bit more the hill. Um, but yeah, for tech, it can be totally, totally different. That's crazy. And and who decides that? Is they just have a designated course designer or something like that? Are they usually an ex-skier who's gone, all right, well, course number one was a bit too easy for them. So let's make it more challenging. I mean, kind of how does that work? Uh, it's coaches it's preset at the beginning of the year so it depends how many athletes are in the top 15 so for example if Canada has a one top 15 athlete they draw each race so with every amount of racer um, that you have in the top 15 you get that amount of chances to win a course set so they totally draw every race and well it's decided at the beginning of the year so I know well, I actually don't know for this year, but usually you know this race, this person's going to set. So you get an advantage for country because if my coach can, my coach set all my training. So if at a certain race, um, Canada gets a set, then my coach can um, set the course and usually they do similar to what we train. So fascinating. Um, it's an advantage, yeah. Wow. And I mean, have you had that happen? Like, does that happen often for you where you're kind of like, great, coach, boom, let's go. We've got this one. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it happened. Yeah, it happened usually once a year. And but one year, he, my coach was supposed to set uh, the second run, and well, he set the second run, but we all went out in the first run, so we didn't get a second run. So he said, <laughs> "Wow, but us, Jeez. yeah, he was not happy. It was disappointing." <laughs> wow. 
So no. unlucky. Does is it work that same for the Olympics as well, or is it a different sort of style for the Olympics? Um, that's a good question. I always assumed it was the same, but maybe it's different. Actually, maybe it's um just a cis, like a neutral person. I feel like that would be fair. But I actually don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. We'll have to ask well, at least one tough question. Like just to, yeah. to see how it goes. The rest are easy. One, we'll just go, we'll yeah. put you in. You know, I've got two. I've made you nearly sing and now I've, you know, stumped you on that one. So uh, I'm ticking <laughs> through the boxes. You, you mentioned going to college in the US and sort of love reading through your stats. Uh, I believe you were the first skier in the history of the University of Vermont to sweep the slalom and giant slalom titles at the NCAA and just a sixth woman ever. Uh What's that like, kind of going through it completely? And do you get to that last one going like, well, it's gone so well for me now, I just need one more, and then like, don't fuck this up because I can create history here. And then ultimately you do it. So you're like, oh, phew, that went all right. Well, actually it was really strange because I was definitely not the favourite for the GS, which was the first day. And already I my I really, really wanted to, to win the slalom and I knew I could do it, but it's solemn any well it's curious anything can happen and when i won the gs like oh my god i want to win the solemn if i win the solemn <laughs> i win both that doesn't make sense and that just added so much more stress <laughs> and yeah the gs was such a surprise for me it was i don't do much gs anymore but i s- still raced it in um, in college and um I said as a joke to my technician the year before, oh, next year for my final year at school, I'll win boat races. And he was laughing so hard. And every time we trained GS and I was so far from the girls and struggling, he was just like, oh yeah, GS, you're going to win the GS. Ha-ha. And then <laughs> I texted him right after my race. I was like, I guess I was right. <laughs> what do you know? What do yeah, you know? surprise. That's, that's crazy. That's awesome. Do you, I mean, what do you get for that? Like, does do you get a plaque on the wall? I mean, do they retire your bib or something like that? Like, I mean, kind of what what do you get for creating school history with that? Um, I actually didn't get anything for, like, special for winning both. But um, when you win a national championship, you get a ring. Right. And my one of my old teammates that was at UVM my first year, she, she told me if you ever win a title, ask for the men's ring and not the women's ring because it's way bigger. <laughs> and so I got two, and they're giant. I don't know when I can wear this. Like it's <laughs> unreal. <laughs> I would, yeah. There's no chance I can pull this off. It's they're giant. Like it's heavy on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> would it help you on a slalom course, like getting rid of the gates? Maybe. Do you think? Honestly, that would be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I, I, I do love how America does love their rings when it comes to sports, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. the, the championship rings and all that kind of stuff, which it's insane to see. I, I remember when the Raptors won the championship, seeing their, like the rings that they get, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely incredible, right? I mean, I'm glad the Olympics do medals because I don't know about Olympic. I mean, Olympic rings make sense. So you got the Olympic rings so you could get Olympic rings ring if that makes sense so yeah maybe maybe they should do that i don't know um putting ideas out isc big listeners to to this show obviously though 2018 you make it to your first olympics when you qualified obviously we always find out on the show that winter athletes have a much more uh you know closer qualification period right to the games than some of our summer colleagues 
what was that feeling like when you qualified kind of that process? Did you know sort of well in advance or was it a last minute sort of, you know, when you were selected, everything along those lines, that whole period leading into Pyeongchang? Um, I was actually selected. Well, I made the, the criteria in November and I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> so I only found out in <laughs> January. So, and my coaches apparently thought I knew and um, we finished the race in, in the Krangsagora. I'm never going to forget this. We were just packing the van after the race and um, I hadn't done super well. So I was pretty bummed. You know, it was close to the last race before the, the Olympics. I think we had only one more left and um, we were packing the van. And I was kind of bummed and I was like, oh, you know about the Olympics. I don't know. I'm stressed. And I was like, what do you mean about the Olympics? Well, like, I hope I, I can go. He was like, well, you're going. Like, what? <laughs> you didn't know? I was like, well, no, nobody told me. He's like, yeah, you made criteria in November in Killington. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that night I called everyone at home. I qualified to the Olympics two months ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but That's yeah, crazy. I was so happy. Do you yeah, think, I mean, yeah. does that, would that have changed much so? Like, I mean, had you known in November, do you then like, not saying you would ever, you know, just hold back because you obviously want to go into an Olympics in peak form, but maybe with a little bit less pressure with that knowledge that you've got a couple of months of not having to fight for that spot versus the, well, I don't know, so I'm fighting for every single, uh, you know, second here towards a qualification. Maybe because it was pretty, well, for everyone, it's pretty stressful to make it to the Olympics and I was I was in the young side of the team back then. Now I'm on the older side but back then I was the young <laughs> but, <laughs> the good days um, yeah, yeah exactly um but yeah and I had two races that I I didn't finish and I or I did poorly and it really stresses me out and I for sure would have been less bummed after those races because I knew I was going to be at the Olympics but um maybe I wouldn't have performed as well at the, uh, at the Olympics because since I had a tougher go before I was really hungry I could say hangry for more and it I performed well so perfect I like hearing that always love hearing too the moment the realization I'm an Olympian was it that moment when you're told and you're ringing everyone was it when you got the uniform if you did the opening ceremony when you're at the start gate like was there a moment where it kind of just clicked that this is this is it I'm an Olympian um well I think when I found out it was more I'm gonna be an Olympian and then once I'm I did the ceremony we were debating because at Pyeongchang, the, the ceremony was outside and um, I really wanted to walk and our coaches were like, oh, well, it's really cold. It's going to be tiring because we have to go to the bus and stuff. But in my end, it's like, I can't be at the Olympics and not walk. It's impossible. And yeah. But when I entered the stage and was walking with everyone in the flag and people all dressed up the same, that's when I was like, oh, my God, I'm an Olympian. It's crazy. And yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's crazy how you work for so long. Like the the moment I got really realized that I could be an Olympia is when I was doing my my objectives, my goals uh, at the beginning of, of the season. And, you know, before you're like, oh, I dream to go to the Olympics. It's a dream. And you're like, oh, that'd be cool. You know? But when I did my goals and in my goals, I wrote go to the Pyeongchang Olympic Games. I was like, oh my God, it's real. I could actually be an Olympian. And it, that's when it really hit, hit me that, it could actually happen. Like I could be not watching the Olympics because I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely crazy. Which I mean, then 
outside of the competition part, you obviously said you got to do the ceremony, but outside of that, do you get soaked up in village life, pin trading, bumping into this athlete, that athlete, everything? Because going back to my point about you don't really get to do multi-sport games as much as a winter athlete. So a lot of this is obviously quite new to, to you and your teammates. Yeah, I definitely got into pin trading, but I didn't know it was a thing until a few days um, when I got in. So I got really behind and I was so mad at my teammates for not telling me it was a thing. Um, <laughs> so nobody likes I, to tell you anything. Like They just keep secrets from you so much. Like, you yeah, haven't qualified for the Olympics, you don't yeah, trade pins. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> maybe I just, I'm just too up in the air. Like, I don't feel safe <laughs> enough. I don't know. But um, yeah, pin trading was this year in, in Beijing, since we weren't there for too long, because we had to be um, gone at 48 hours after our our race, I started the second we got in. I was on the hunt for pins right away. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many. I was so happy. But um, but yeah, in Pyeongchang, I I loved it. I met so many so many people and made sure I could go see Alex Harvey because he's from my hometown, the Nordics here. And I went to see one of his races and it was nice because I was racing the the first race. The slalom was at the beginning of the Olympics and I was also racing the duel, which was at the end. So in between, I had a little bit of a break to go um, see other other events. And that was that was like a whole Olympic experiences. Obviously, Beijing a little bit different, yeah, than the experiences. So you kind of got to experience a proper full olympics without any restrictions and things like that which i can imagine you know does make it a lot more fun even though you sort of got as you said those bookends with the competitions and everything do do you set yourself a target i mean i kind of feel weird always asking this question because i'm assuming everyone's target is to try and win a medal of course it is you you know at the top of your game you want to do that but do you then go into it thinking like okay a minimum top 20 and then maximum gold medal for for the the Pyeongchang games? Yes, for Pyeongchang. Um, no, I really sh- just making it there was so unreal for me, and um, the only thing was I wanted was not to be disappointed in my in my competition because at the beginning of the season I had a super strong beginning of the season. I had three good races, and I had my first top 15, uh, 14th skeleton, and then I had that blog where I fell or did poorly or so I was coming in after I think two um, two DNFs, and um, I I re- just wanted to to make it down, but be proud of myself because I I could have told myself just oh, I I want to make it down, I want to cross the finish, but at the same time I knew I was gonna regret it, and so I just went so hard and <laughs> just really wanted to give it all to make sure I had completely no regrets and i mean 11th after that first run uh you're sitting in a pretty good spot at that point i mean how are you feeling kind of going into that second run knowing that you mean you were just on the cusp of a top 10 at the olympic games and i was really really stressed like i'm so stressed well my mom was already crying and she's like you're 11 i was like it's not finished (laughs) (laughs) i'm already freaking out you can't make me freak out more (laughs) um and then between the two runs, it was, I think, the longest time of my life. It was a few hours, but same as usual. But I I probably looked at my phone 200 times. Oh, only one minute has passed and everything was going so slow. It was so long. But um, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a really cool run. I was not expecting that for sure. Is there a way you can sort of get yourself 
into the zone? Like, do you have a technique in those situations where it might be to put some music on, uh, do some yoga, uh, chat to friends? Like, I mean, kind of, do you have sort of something that can de-stress you in those moments when you've got obviously a bit of time to wait in between runs? Um, I actually perform better under a bit of pressure. I'm usually, when I don't perform well, I'm because I'm too chill. <laughs> so my, <laughs> my routine at the start is mostly to, I'm trying to stress myself and make sure I realize this is a race and it's time to compete. Wow. Um, as I said, I was really not a competitive kid. <laughs> I, I used to sing Christmas song when I was going down. So, um, <laughs> Jeez, so, there's a secret. Yeah. Any particular one? Like Jingle Bells work better than White Christmas or something like that? It was uh, my favorite one was Pitspa Noel. I don't okay. know the English version I want. It's like uh, talking about Santa Claus coming. So. Sing it. Go on, Lo. You know we're going to get you to sing by the end of yeah. this interview. Come on. <laughs> and it, you'll see it's a really chill one. It's not really good. Like it's not a slalom song. It's pretty calm. So <laughs> I was not. I'm falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But it's the one that's that Santa brings gifts. So that's why I loved it. Okay, and you you want that gift of a good time at the end, basically, right? So that's kind of what you're asking for, kind of going down. <laughs> well, down the again, hill. it was M and M M and M Reese's when I was young. I wanted the M and M's. You wanted the so these are the ones where you're actually winning M and M's, right? Like so these that's the goal at the the end. You're not winning Marshall Mathers and a you know a trip to Detroit or something like that. You you're winning actual candy. Yeah, yeah, no. There's someone at the bottom giving M and M's little packets, and there was participation gift. You know the machines that you like pull the arm yep. down and yep, they yep. give you an M M&M? and I got one of those. Well, I don't have it anymore, but I got one of those. I love. See, this is the thing that I'm learning about alpine skiing. We had Greta Small on, and she mentioned about how that she won a race sometime and won a bunch of chupa chups. So, I mean, it just seems to be like this I have big reward. No idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the like the lollipop <laughs> kind of things that you have, if you know what those are. So, uh, okay. yeah, it's all the candy. <laughs> I need to get into alpine skiing. Yeah. It's like you're literally a kid in a candy store, basically. Yeah, it's a gravity sport, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, this is absolutely crazy. Obviously, you end up fifteenth in Pyeongchang in, in the individual uh, event. Um, I mean, do you leave satisfied or dissatisfied because you were 11th, dropped a couple of spaces? Or, I mean, you still leave in Olympics, your first Olympics in the top 20. So, uh, obviously, still a great result. Yeah, when I came down, um, for sure, it's, you know, this second run of um, slalom is a flip. So, when you're um, first, after first run, you start 30th at the second one. So, when you, when you come down, you want to come down in first. So, you know, you save your spot. Um, so when I came down and I saw, I was, I think, I don't know, third, maybe, or fourth, I guess, I don't know. Um, I came down and I knew I was going to move back from my 11. So my first reaction was, oh, no, I didn't do well. Well, not didn't do well, but I didn't keep my spot. And I had a bit of a, a mistake at the bottom. And But then I was like, I guess the worst I can come is 15. So it's not so bad. <laughs> and then I was <laughs> super happy. And yeah, coming like I was probably disappointed for about three seconds, and then after that, I was safe. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine because I mean, it's your, your first Olympics. You go into that with no experience, and you and you come away with that, which is obviously again fuel to the fire. I can imagine moving forward, uh, looking towards Beijing. But ultimately, of course, you've got the the team event, new event that happened in Pyeongchang. How is the selection made with that? Like with you and Aaron? Like, does it? 
performance based or does it come down to something else like how when, and when do you know when do you know that you're going to be racing in that um at, in Pyeongchang we knew that it was going to be me Erin and Candice but um because we have a, a sub and um but we didn't know Erin was by far the best and uh, so she, we knew it was going to be her but the one starting the race was between me and Candice so we actually had a time trial at the race and um, Candice had done super well in the in World Champs uh, in 2017 in Beaver Creek with Erin. So I knew she was good, but I really, really, really wanted to be part of the team event. I thought it looked so cool. And, um, you know, at school, in college, it's, um, you know, skiing becomes a team sport. And now to have the chance to race with the Canadian team as a team, it makes makes such a big difference. And it makes it so much more cool to be part of a team individual sport but part of a team and um um i ended up doing well in the qualifier and i was really stoked to do it it was a fun event i loved it it was and like i was so when it was in beijing as well it's like it's so great i love these sort of team events you can kind of have in the sport and i mean ultimately sadly lose out to france basically and and of all the countries to lose out to i can imagine like yeah america sucks because you know they're your rivals but it's a quebecois you don't want to lose to france (laughs) do you i mean god damn it not them (laughs) <laughs> we lost by like four hundreds too. It was so close. Oh, yeah, I, we were really, really bummed. But damn French. I, I skied well, so at least that's all I, that matters, right? I mean, the other people I mean, let you down. Team. Bloody teammates. Yeah, God, keeping sick, <laughs> keeping secrets from me. Oh, <laughs> losing, losing the rest. But I mean, at the end of the day, like whenever you're going to lose in an event like that, I mean, France obviously go on to get fourth so they they miss out on a medal but like i mean you do you kind of want to then lose to somebody who does well though like i mean you don't i guess want to lose to a country that goes out in the next round like if you lose to the gold medalist or you lose to you know fourth place uh, i mean i guess a little bit like, you're like okay well we got beaten by a pretty decent team on the day yeah because um france has done really well in many team events and Canada's always the underdog in the team event and we're always so close to to do well well in at world champs in in 2017 they got they got second so we're because we're, we're all in the top 30 but not there's no big big names you know in on our team as america they can have michaela schiffer in austria they have huge teams swiss too and friends saying they had tessa Worley who won the globe this year so we're always nobody's expecting us to do well and but we we always surprise people, so I really hope I get to, to race again in the team event. But now it's GS. It used to be slalom back then, so I need to improve a bit my GS to race again. Well, you mentioned big names. Now, I know she doesn't exactly compete in your discipline, but I always have to ask any alpine skiers about the great Esther Ledecker. Um, big mm-hmm. fans of hers on this show uh, and just incredible athlete. I mean, when you see somebody like that who can switch between snowboard and then alpine, I, I always love the Lindsay Vaughn quote where she was like, I got beaten by a fucking snowboarder back in Pyeongchang. Brilliant quote. <laughs> but the thing that amazed me in Beijing is that it almost seemed like just every day she was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try this event. Oh, I'll do, oh, I may as well do this one today rather than just, you know, go into it. Is I mean, how do you look at someone like that? Like, do you just look in awe? Like, wow, how do you do this? Or is it a bit of it like, oh, fuck off back to snowboarding. Come on, stop showing us up. We're working our ass off all year. You know, <laughs> keep to your snowboarding, you. <laughs> it's just crazy because I do one event. I 
specialize in slalom and sometimes I feel like I run out of time for training closer to the races or I need to do so much to try to be the best you know and I'm I'm pretty good like I'm satisfied with <laughs> the way it's going but and she won the Olympics and she crushes in in snowboard I am I struggle to be good but to be like the best in one event and she can do so like she technically does well three or four I don't know how many events are in snowboard I guess there's stalin and GS also mm-hmm. and then she does super gym downhill it's I don't understand how she has enough time or energy to do that because it's so demanding and just I can't imagine going between doing turns on a snowboard to skiing it's totally different I'm scared yeah. to do skateboarding like, <laughs> <laughs> everything sideways I'm I'm done <laughs> yeah I the one time I tried skiing which lasted all of 30 seconds before I wimped out and went back to the ski lodge um I was always asking people like should I do skiing or snowboarding like what's easier or what's like better and People sold me on skiing. I, I didn't try snowboarding. I was like, no, give me skis. Again, I was a wimp. I lasted 30 seconds. But at least I can say I tried skiing, whereas snowboarding, yeah, that doesn't look fun. Yeah, it looks – well, no, it actually looks fun. Carving, when they have so much angles and everything, that looks pretty fun. But they have pretty bad crashes. Mm. But I guess skiing, you do have bad crashes too. But no, to me, snowboarding, it's – I've never tried, so I can't speak. Maybe I'll try it after my career, but right now I'm way too scared. <laughs> you, can, you can get one back for the alpine skis. Beat us at our own game in Milan. Just be like, come on, you know, snowboarder can come and beat <laughs> yeah. us, but we're going to go beat a snowboarder. So, you know, <laughs> just get get your own back with that. In the lead up to Beijing, you get six in the World Championships in 2019. Uh, do pretty decently in the World Cup season, getting eighth overall in the in the slalom standings. I mean. In the lead up to Beijing, you're doing pretty well consistently in the top 10. Sort of what were the different goals going into your second Olympics, given the form that you had between Pyeongchang and Beijing? Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, my last um, my last expectation was to do the same or actually to do worse in Beijing than Pyeongchang. You know, like I was definitely I was aiming for a medal but you know it was it would have been a surprise for everyone even like especially myself to have a medal but um I knew if I had the two best run of my life I could definitely be in there and I was definitely aiming for at least a top 10 but finishing 17 was not even didn't even cross my mind um so it's pretty disappointing but um I think after having such a strong Two years before the Olympics, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I re- had really, really high expectations because I was skiing really well, but it didn't work out that day. But um, I definitely thought I could do better. <laughs> uh, well, on the positive side of things, though, you talk about obviously in Pyeongchang, you know, finishing your first round higher, dropping lower. It was the opposite, though, in, in Beijing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you make up five places, right? So, I mean, you know, silver lining there. You, you did better on the second run to get into the top 20. So, can you sort of take that at least from your second Olympics? Yeah, and um, I think I left it all out there. You know, I came in with the same nice mindset that I wanted, uh, that I had in Pyeongchang. I wanted to have no regrets. And, again, I, I wanted a podium, and I knew the only way I could get a podium was to have the two best runs of my life. And there was no way I could do that by going halfway you know and um so i'm i'm actually really proud of my race i'm just disappointed in the result on paper i think i did everything i could to try to have the best race possible um but it's 
sports. I I wonder actually what the stat is on if you ask all the athletes in the Olympics, how many are actually happy about their performance. Mm. So, I well, that's yeah. it's a good point you make because we've had many athletes on the show who, you know, they go into an Olympics and finish seventh, but they're thrilled with it because, as you said, they put it all on the line. They're like, look, I could not have done better on that day. But then you might mm-hmm. have an athlete who wins a gold and maybe they're just kind of like, well, got a goal, but I know I can do better. You know, it's, it's kind of that crazy balance. Like some of my favorite moments of the Olympics is when you see someone win a bronze medal and they're, they're celebrating like they've won a gold or even, yeah, finishing yeah. six, like because they know they couldn't have done any better. So, yeah, I think that is a great point because it always is about challenging yourself and pushing yourself. And ultimately in history, you're going to look at it and see, well, okay, I got 17th, but you know how well you did that day and you are the one who can sort of sit back and look and go, well, I was satisfied with that because I know I did a great, great run. Yeah, exactly. And I, I push myself, you know, some for sure it's great to be an Olympian two two time Olympian even better and to be able to, to compete at the Olympics is such a privilege, but when you're there, you just want to do so well and the pressure is so high. And even if, a medal would have been probably 1% chance I wanted it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always hard when, when you don't get it. But I'm, I'm still here, so maybe in Milan. Well, you look at it too. Milan, it would have been 58 years since Canada's last medal in the women's slalom with, with, with Nancy Green back in 68. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, bit of history that could be made there as well to kind of break a, a big drought because, again, as an Australian, I look at Canada, Winter Olympics, you know, you guys are obviously fantastic, dominant in so many different sports, but I like these little droughts that you can kind of work towards because that's a that's a, a two lifetimes almost, you could say, that period there. So uh, just to give you a bit of drive then to think, well, hey, this is one of the big droughts for Canadian Olympics. I've got to look towards it and we can do this in Milan. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, after, after Pyeongchang... I was like, oh, I for sure need a medal in Beijing. And after Beijing, I was like, wow, now I really need a medal in Milan. And um, yeah, and Nancy Green, I've, I've met her and um, she's such an inspiration. And she did so much for ski racing in Canada and um, for sure to, to be the next Olympic right after her. You know, if you see the list on Wikipedia it would be pretty nice pretty nice yeah. there too but i mean in terms of just the alpine team in general obviously with jack getting a medal as well i mean is that just a, a big boost for the team in general because it had been what a couple of olympics since canada had medaled in alpine skiing so i can imagine that that's a bit of a confidence boost for the for the team in general kind of looking towards of what can we build on from what we've achieved in beijing yeah we we have a really really strong group right now and Jack was so impressive at the Olympics. His, you could see he really, really wanted it and he brought it to, to another level. And um, we have a really strong group in this, like that whole group of speed guys. They're, they're so good. They got a few podiums this year in the World Cup as well. And for us on the, the women's side, we have everyone can be on the podium this year, basically. And, you know, and in, in Beijing, we were, we were four girls in the solemn and could have all four been in top 10 and we it didn't perform like he wanted, but um, it can be really, really interesting what Canada can bring in, in the life. Well, already this year, I think it can be really good. And hopefully we can bring up other athletes all the way to, to Milan. 
And the time of recording this, you're in New Zealand training, which I love hearing that you get the North American athletes coming to the South, basically, because it's always <laughs> all the Aussies are always going off to Canada and Europe to train. So it's like, you know, yeah, come down to our neck of the woods for once. But I mean, what, what's it actually like training in New Zealand? They've obviously got some great slopes there. I mean, does it differ much to what you're used to back home in, in Canada? Well, we, we actually never train at home in, in Canada in the summer. We don't, we have Whistler that has a um, um, glacier, but I'm from the east, so there's no snow in the summer. But um, it's it's really good training. It's actually more um, challenging than I thought. It's my first time in at Coronet Peak, and um, the conditions are really hard. And um, it's awesome training because we're here for um, four weeks, about four weeks, and uh, it's no altitude, winter snow, and it's really re- representative to what we can have in the winter. So. It's really, really cool and it's beautiful. It's Middle Earth, you know? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> How's that there? Um, I mean, look, uh, as an Australian, I've got to poke a slight fun at our dear friends in New Zealand. I mean, do you get used to the accent? Do you understand what they're saying with the way they talk? <laughs> Actually, I went up with um, a lady the other day in the T-bar and especially English is my second language, you know, so I... I think every question she asked me, I made her repeat three times. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and at some point, after a third time, there's sometimes I didn't even understand her question and I just answered something and hoped for the best. <laughs> hope for the best. <laughs> Please, are we at the top soon? <laughs> I feel so wow. bad. <laughs> I, look, it, 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 it is honestly like we have a lot of fun in Australia making fun of their accent. But the thing that amazed me when I lived there was that they make fun of our accent too. It's just kind of what we do. But there are legitimately times when I was like, yeah, can you repeat that? Like we've all got our slang words that we use in obviously each part of the world, but there were some where I'm like, what? Like, like, are you speaking like what I'm like? I don't know what, like, it's so interesting to, to sort of have that. And also regional New Zealand, New Zealand's kind of much different to Australia in the fact that we don't really have different accents so to speak in australia there are a few words here and there that certain states will use but there were generally words in my part of the country that they did not use say in auckland like it was it was fascinating i'm surprised because i feel like australia is so big i would have thought there would be different accents. no we don't it's it's i've had once in my life i had somebody say to me are you from tasmania and that was based because they were a linguistics teacher or something so that was their job (laughs) whereas no like i couldn't if i met someone from sydney and then someone from perth and then someone from hobart 99.9 percent of the time i would have to ask whereas yeah like obviously with you you're from quebec i can generally tell where you're from whereas when i lived in victoria (laughs) in canada you know people had a bit of a different accent so it's yeah yeah, you would think we do but we don't really yeah because in in quebec too we have different regions that you can definitely tell by the accent where they're from and obviously from france it's which it's so fun like I, one of my yeah. funniest stories from montreal because like again you're just a dumb naive australian who you know oh i speak english yeah someone from england and canada sounds different to me but you don't think that there are accents in different languages and i was yeah. out with a friend in montreal and this lady came up and was like excuse me monsieur and like you know wanted to borrow the chair and yeah. my friend's like oh she's french and i'm like yeah we're in montreal it's like no she is french french and i'm like <laughs> You can tell, like it was sort of yeah. like it sort of clicked that there's a difference in like the accents and the way sort of it's spoken, which it's fascinating. It really is fascinating when you learn these things. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 basically the same as um, North American English and your English. It's mm-hmm. that that different, and even 
well actually we can understand better french um, from france than the french can understand our french um i've actually one time in french so in france i was on a camp and on tv they were showing this video from quebec and they put subtitles <laughs> wow. on live tv for <laughs> to show a movie i i couldn't believe it i was like it's french <laughs> it's yeah. the same that's it's crazy really, wow yeah, it's yeah it's we have a lot a- of slang in quebec so well, I love just the uniqueness of Canada just with the obviously being bilingual because I think it was um, not your last one, but the, the the election beforehand. And I remember watching like the debate between Trudeau and the like all that. And just, you know, you had the French one and then you also had the English one. But then I saw Trudeau give a speech and, you know, he's giving the speech in English and then just seamlessly into French without even a blink. It wasn't like there was a pause. It wasn't like da 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 and now French. It was just like in the middle of it. Boom, and I was just blown away because I I can barely speak English, let alone another language, and I don't <laughs> well, know how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, but he's actually lucky, I guess, because he he's um like he learned it at a young age. But I'm always so impressed when they do the debate in French, mm. and you learn that one of the candidates learned French like three months ago, and they have to debate political stuff. I'm like, wow, like it's crazy to me how they can learn. Uh, and it's not like they do three months full time doing French. You know, they have other duties during this time. You yeah. know? it's really impressive. It really, it really is. It's absolutely insane. I actually, one thing I miss living there is getting like a, a packet of food, and half of it's in English, half of it's in French. I love that. Like that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you know? and but if you find one that doesn't have both languages, you get a discount. Oh really? Oh yeah. okay. Yeah, gotta go hunting. They for have that. to. Yeah. To, well, it's really rare because usually it's a mistake. Is there? Not right. To. Okay. What about if it's the other way? So if it's just in French and no English, or is that just ah, who cares? Like that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like in Quebec sometimes it would be maybe ah, uh, who cares? But technically, they should have both. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. I mean, I'll say Quebec has pretty much one of the greatest inventions on the planet, poutine. So I mean, you know, you, yeah. you bring that to the world. So um, and some people could debate that peanut butter is from Montreal, but oh. it's unclear. Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that yeah, fact. Mm-hmm. I, I I think one of the times I went to Canada, I counted before I lived there. I think I had about like 28 different poutines in the space of like 18 days. It used to be while I was very fat, actually, uh, low. So there was a reason there. But um, no, I, I mean, God, I, yeah, poutine, greatest thing, planet. I mean, yeah, I don't think I've ever had poutine outside of Quebec. If I see it on the menu outside of Quebec, I, I can do yeah. it. Yeah. I can see. Like, there's like a tier system. So, like, you know, you live in BC, you know you're going to get better poutine than you do in Australia. So, you kind of, okay, this yeah, will do. That's true. That's and then fair. when you're in that's Australia, fair. you're kind of like, generally Australians are like, yeah, cheese on chips. That's enough. No, no that's not what it is. But we'll, <laughs> yeah. you know, give you the a pass on that. cheese is the most important part. Exactly. You have to have the right cheese. If the cheese melts, it's wrong. It's yep. already, you don't even touch it. No yep. cheese. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, yeah. If, you, if anyone listening has never been to Montreal or Quebec City or anywhere in Quebec, just that's where you have it. Like absolutely insane. Uh, Lo, before we get to sort of questions that we like to close it up on, you talked about sort of being at university and everything like that. Biomedical engineering, I believe, is is what you studied or study. Is that is that correct? Um. Well, my so I did it at University of Vermont. I did computer science, and I graduated from that in 2019 and then now i'm doing biomedical engineering now for so us sec- dumb bums like me what is biomedical <laughs> engineering like I, I i it sounds like it's very hard for whatever it is um it's 
the engineering of medical side i guess i don't know it can go it's so it's so wide um it can go from um tissue building or um mri machine or well what me i want to go more either in um like biomechanics um so like prosthesis and stuff like that or in surgical robotics um that would be the two fields that i like more but um yeah it's like if you take, for example, biochemistry, well, it's really just um, biochemistry engineering. Like it's wow. the side engineering of this science. So you're combining two very hard things together, basically. You you really like a challenge <laughs> of this, it sounds like. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and is, it, is it something that when you're out there, you're in New Zealand, you're, you're training, you're obviously traveling the world a lot, doing your, I mean, is it just by distance? Do you get a lot of, uh, you know, deferrals for subjects and things like that? Because like, hey, I'll be <laughs> back next semester because I'm just kind of skiing in the Olympics. Like, how does all that work? Um, well, actually, COVID was super helpful because everything was um, online. So for me, it was great. And I was hoping they would keep a bit more courses online. Um, but um, yeah, no, I do it in in class so i just miss school and read the book <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it's 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 tough sometimes but i'm kind of used to it now i just need to be really on it as soon as i skip a day then i get lazy lazy and it's not gonna work <laughs> um but yeah i was full-time at uvm and now part-time so it's a bit easier but um yeah and it's like for example coming to new zealand one flight well i had three flights and one of them was 14 hours, so you have some time to study. You do, out, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a, a bit of a long flight uh, the, yep. the, from this side of the world to your side of the world. I mean, I was just saying you're kind of close to Australia, so if you've got a spare week or two, you could kind of just. It's only three hours to the the west of Yulo if you if you've got some time. You know, just I can vouch yeah, for it's pretty was, decent. Yeah, I was actually trying to either go to Australia or Fiji, but. In the end, it didn't work out with flights, but maybe next, next time. time I come. Next yeah. time. Australia exactly. seems super nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's, it, it does the job, you know. We've got some <laughs> decent winter athletes here too, you know. We've got some snow certain parts of the country, yeah. so, you know. I actually know pretty well the para-alpine, Mitch Gorley. I don't know if you know. Yes, yes, Mitch, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great, awesome. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. yeah we were in, in we cross paths a few times cool. on there. Had you, yeah, I mentioned in my intro, I, I, I don't know how much you would have paid attention to the history of uh, Australian alpine skiing, but Zali Stegel, was that a name that you had ever heard of before I used that in my yeah. intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the name. I can't say I remember how she skis, but um, definitely, yeah. She's a she's a politician now. She's a member no of way. a federal, federal parliament, parliament. So if you like politics, it's a good track record for slalom skiers. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick to engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she might be able to help you with that. If you come to Australia, some funding or something like that, you know, hook, hook a fellow slalom skier up. But uh, like, these are a set of questions that are given to Canadian athletes. Now, they were given to you ahead of Pyeongchang as well as Rio. And now the reason I think you might have answered these because I'm going to use the questions that were given to Aaron. Aaron filled this form out and it's on the Team Canada website. So I'm sure you did a lot of media things and questionnaires and that in the lead up. But do you remember filling in like a questionnaire that involved drawing and asking you random things like TV shows you watched, things like that? Mm, I don't think so. Well, probably, I guess. 
It was like four years ago now. It was, a, it was a long time yeah. ago. But uh, I've I got... I don't remember drawings. Well, the, the aspect of this, so it's always optional. You can do it if you want to. We've only ever had winter athletes come through with it, so clearly winter athletes like to draw. But yeah, so, for example, you, you can draw a picture of yourself. There's a, draw a place from your hometown or province. Draw a picture of your favourite animal. And I'm telling you now, Erin, great drawer. She's um, yeah, she's some she's of the good. best I've seen. Yeah, far out. Yeah, she paints sometimes on the road and she's pretty wow. good. Wow, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, if you do want to, Feel free to do it. Send us in. Send it in to us, and we can put it on our social media. So uh, no pressure, no pressure at all. Okay. And I'll compare okay. your answers to Erin here. You might be able to guess what she might have said with some of these ones. So I'll start off. What is your favorite ever Olympic moment? Um, racing the team event in Pyeongchang. Uh, Great, nice answer. Erin uh, said, "Hugging my oh, family." At the- no. Yeah, please, I guess finish. was it true? For myself, or it can be either. It can be so, like, you can easily. Oh, okay. We like it when people answer their own. I mean, you can always answer, you know, yeah. uh, Sydney Crosby winning the goal in Vancouver, something you know, there's it's entirely oh, up to you. Classic. That was pretty cool, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I think, I think I, if I did it, I probably said, um, when Joanie Rochette came, um, on, came on a podium at in Vancouver, that was yeah, pretty awesome. That was that, um, that was huge in Australia, myself, too, when that yeah. happened. I remember that very vividly, yeah, yeah. that was so impressive. Yeah, but yeah. for myself, it's the the parallel racing. That works. I like it. Erin uh, said, "Hugging my family at the finish of the Vancouver Olympics." So uh, that was that was Erin's answer there. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Hmm, there's so many. <laughs> Probably flying. Yeah. Yeah, flying's pretty cool. Erin says flying too. It's a slalom yeah. thing. Everybody yeah, wants to fly. <laughs> Your favorite <laughs> sports movie is um, Glory Road. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've had that answer before. Good answer. Yeah. I like it. I haven't seen movie, it, you know? but I've, I've heard what? of it. I do. It's really good. I, I, really I, good. I'll, I'll see it straight after this. I promise. I'll, I'll yeah. go and uh, I'll go and watch it. Your funniest childhood memory is. Ooh. I have no idea. Either I'm not funny or I had too many funny moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the ping pong. I mean, yeah. that's just funny in the fact that you said yeah, not many people know about yeah. it. So, you know. Yeah, that, ping pong. That, yeah. Use that. Work it out. Yeah. You know, people yeah. are learning. They're going to listen to this and go, wow, ping pong. Okay. Five, two, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be on your like your LinkedIn or something on your resume. Like two-time Olympian, Quebec champion, ping pong. Like you know that. Yeah, that's but a then I can't resume. use it at parties. You know, it's my secret True. superpower. Yeah, that's right. You know, singing. You've done all right on that today, so you could put that <laughs> yeah. up. sleeve, sneak it out. Uh, your favorite <laughs> pump-up song is. Um, this is hard. I actually don't listen to music at the start. Um, I like being in my head. Um, but anything like electro, I really like. Okay. I used to be into rock a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good answers. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say Christmas yeah. carols, but um. Yeah, know. I should have said Petit Papa Noel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good song. I'm going to use that for now. Next time I go to the gym. Uh, the <laughs> most recent TV show you binge watched? Uh, Stranger Things. Okay. 
Did you enjoy it? Yeah. The sort of wasn't there like eight yes. hour episodes or something like that? I honestly yes. never watched Stranger Things. You can hang up on me now, but I've heard it's really good. Yes, it's really good. We actually started rewatching it here. Um, nice as a team. So I really like it. That's definitely the big show. And then now I'm in New Zealand, and Rings of Power is coming out in next couple of days. So pretty excited. About to ask you that, which yeah. I mean. Look, I'll be honest, not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but when I was there, you can't help but get swept up in the beauty and obviously, you know, where they filmed it went to several yeah. locations. Was that like number one thing? Like, okay, in between training, let's go here, let's go here. I want to see this, I want to <laughs> see that. Yeah, actually, as soon as we got here, I looked up Queenstown Lord of the Rings to see what was close that we could see, but I didn't I didn't get the chance to go anywhere. But just seeing around, it's crazy. I feel there like is, you feel if- like it. If you haven't already seen them, I know in a lot of the tourist shops here they actually sell books, which are locations of Lord of the Rings. So you can actually get little. Oh, um, really? They have, and they have like a Hobbit one as well. Um, so I used to see them a lot. So I actually I bought one for my auntie. She's a massive Lord of the Rings fan. So I'm like, hey, like here you go. So they actually do sell books, which are nice hardcover books of locations of Lord of the Rings. So, uh, oh wow. Just- Keep an eye out for it when you're in Queenstown. There, After, being in Queenstown, Ferg Burger. Have you had it yet? No, I was supposed to go the last day off, but in the end we didn't go, but it's on my list. It's always a line. There's always a massive line. Although I will say, Ferg Burger, yeah. amazing. It is worth it. But if you're ever in Christchurch, Bacon Brothers will be the best burger okay. you ever eat in your life. So okay. shout out Perfect. to Bacon Brothers Noted. in Christchurch if they're listening. So uh just, we're not sponsored yet by them. Maybe one day yeah. we can, uh, potentially see that. You're trying, um, yes, I can see. Trying. Yeah, one sponsor would be nice. A couple, yeah. you know, a burger place would be really good. Your least favourite foods are? Olives and anchovies, probably. Mm, okay. Yep, good answers. Erin's uh, is cilantro. Do you ever, like, ever accidentally put some cilantro in a food to kind of piss her off? No, we weren't allowed. put it on the side put it on the side yeah and i feel like she's a great cook so i feel like if i messed up with her food she wouldn't cook for me anymore (laughs) (laughs) wow i like that if you weren't an athlete what would you be um hmm i would probably be in school already an engineer because doing school while skiing is Slows the process a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Um, yeah, but I, I really like piano. So maybe I would have been playing piano, but probably not at a high level because that's pretty intense too. But yeah. This time, I was, I was just thinking if Vancouver get the Olympics again in 2030 you know, get really good at it, you might be asked to perform at the opening ceremony. Like by then, what would I you could, be? A three-time Olympian, four-time Olympian heading to your fourth yeah. Olympics playing the piano. There you go. I could play Fitz Papa Noel, you know? you know? Hey, hey, exactly. Yeah, piano version. There you go. And then you could like yeah. ping-pong something on the piano and then ski off it and light the cauldron. There you go. Yeah. Well, multitask. Yeah. Cool. You'll be, what, a yeah. two-time gold medalist by then because you'll, you'll win the team and the slalom in Milan. So there's two. Add a couple more. Snowboard, as we said, you'll be beating Esther at her own game. Yeah. So uh, all the golds, yeah. you know. And maybe ping pong at the Summer Olympics, you know. Well, you've got two of them to compete in yeah. uh, before 2030. Mm-hmm. You know, get good for Paris, get good for, for LA. Plenty of time. Yeah. There you exactly. go. And you've got Commonwealth like Games and Canada Games and Pan Am yeah. Games for that too. So many medals. You'll be sinking yeah, in Yeah, it's them. too bad. 
I wish we had Commonwealth game in winter, but there they would be did, not too many sports. They did try. If they didn't hold one, they actually, I think, did try to have one. I think just the issue with the winter Commonwealth games is I think Canada would leave with like 98% of the medals because there's not many <laughs> winter Commonwealth countries. That's the problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how bad India are going to go to a, a winter Commonwealth Games or Fiji. <laughs> um, so, but I, I'm with you. I, I think there needs to be more multi-sport winter games because there's not really many outside of, say, some regional country ones. Are there a winter Pan Am games? I don't think there are, are there? Nope, nope. Hmm. you think there would be for that. But uh, Well, yeah. it would also be basically US and Canada, I think. True. Maybe. At least you've got two countries there, right, whereas Commonwealth Games yeah, that's is just true. like, why did, why did anyone need to show up? Uh, your favorite <laughs> vacation spot is? Um, anywhere camping. Okay. Yeah, in the outdoors. Is there, I can Beach, imagine Quebec's got some good, good camping spots in Quebec? Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, there's some really nice spots. And, um, but, you know, West Canada is pretty awesome, pretty nice. And, um, West, of the US to where you can bike, ski in the same day. Pretty awesome. Yeah, um, and pretty camp. nice to be able to do that. Yeah, for Go sure. Go paddleboarding, all sports. So Yeah, all of them. Still going there yeah. with them. You, yeah. you keep going <laughs> all the way through. Uh, what's something people usually describe you as? Mm, a nerd. <laughs> own it yes yeah. more of that on this show <laughs> yeah yeah i own it i like it and i guess i heard last year that sometimes i correct people too much but ah. if there's a name of something we should use it you if should it got said when we were eating ravioli and they said tortellini. And I said, it was not tortellini, it was ravioli. <laughs> and then my teammate got mad and like, you always correct that song. <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. You got to correct yeah. people something. How are they going to learn? You know? Yeah. Like, go the, through the life. The word was invented it? for a reason. Exactly. There you go. And particularly that you can do it in a language that isn't your native, like it's your second language. You can correct people in your second language. Like that, that's skill. Well, like, I don't it. know if ravioli counts as English or <laughs> most. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll classify it on the show just yeah. for you today. Yeah. What would you What would you describe Erin as? Let's see if we can match what she said here for herself. Ooh. Hard worker? She, yeah. She's got perfectionist, professional. Yeah. Uh, she's also yeah. got caring and adventurous. That is all true. There you go. All Very right. True. Good job, Aaron. You, you know yourself well here. That that yeah. works. Um, <laughs> I hope I know the answer to this one. Maybe I could be wrong. If you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say ping pong. Yeah. I want you to say ping pong. There we <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, probably more basketball. Basketball would have been cool. Yeah. 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 Team sport. Ping. Ping pong, but okay. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna ask. I, this, this one's always really difficult. My favorite song lyrics are it's uh, unless you've got something that you know. I don't know, like because it's it's that one seems like a, a, a difficult one to be put on the spot for. So don't know if you've got one that jumps to mind. We can move on to the next question. It's Papa Noel, I guess. I don't know if yeah. it's inspiring. That's <laughs> where my roots are. <laughs> keeps coming up. All right. That, that works. That works. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Um, 
I when I drive, I really liked singing Celine Dion song really loud in my car. <laughs> <laughs> is, I, I, okay, in all fairness, though, isn't that just like a provincial requirement in Quebec? Like that's law. You have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But a lot of it should be. <laughs> it should be. I actually I went to Montreal and I had a friend at the time. She was obsessed with Celine Dion. And I went to like the area where like the, what the French area and the, the church where she got married, I think it was. So uh, I remember pointing that like, oh, that's, yeah, that's the church she got married. And it's like, wow, you know, you're a fan when you get obsessed over the fact that you've got your idol's church where she got married. And that's what you do. <laughs> so, yeah, which um, I mean, it, she's got some pretty epic songs, though, to try to hit some of those notes. So, um, yeah, she does. I, I'm definitely not going to sing that. But Damn. Right. Well, <laughs> Don't there even goes ask. That, there goes that question. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we nearly got you there. Uh, Lo, before we let you go, people who want to follow your journey between now and Milan, uh, social media, places like that, where can they follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm not the most active, but I try. Um, and, yeah, I have an athlete's Facebook page also, but mostly Instagram is the best. No TikTok yet. I always have to ask about TikTok. Yeah, no, I I struggle with that. I'm not a big <laughs> social media, but it's important for my career. But yeah, I still I still don't even know what TikTok yeah. is. So like, I just yeah. don't even bother to try and try there. Uh, like, this has been so much fun to learn everything about your career and everything along the way. I mean, I seriously think we got the biggest uh, coup of all time with this ping pong talk. So thank you for that. <laughs> but uh, we look forward to obviously uh, seeing how you go in the lead up to Milan and coming home with a couple of gold medals and working towards Vancouver 2030 with uh, more gold, pianos, ping pong and everything else that will come uh, back in BC place, lighting that culture and everything that will come with that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And a massive thanks to Lo there. I, uh, I'm not even going to try and uh, do the French pronunciation of her name uh, there once again, but a, a fascinating chat, learning so much there about her, the, the ping pong girl. We've never had a table tennis athlete on this show. Does that count as our first? I, I'm not too sure. So uh, great to learn a lot about her career and moving forward and everything in the sport of slalom and always good for me to get a sneaky Esther mention in there as well. So big thanks to Lo for her time as well as her management as well for organizing that. So we definitely appreciate that all being done. If you want to see the video version of that interview, of course, YouTube is where you can find it. Search for Off the Podium. You can see all our other great video interviews that are up there as well. And if you never want to miss an episode of the show, be it on YouTube or on your podcast platform, hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. It's that simple. You'll get it downloaded directly to your device every single time a new episode is released, currently two times a week, of course, and you will never miss an episode of your favorite Olympic podcast. Social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. Find us. Let us know what you think of the show. We always like some feedback along the way, even if you think we're shit. Let's be honest. If you're like Ben, you're shit. I love everything else about the show, but you're shit. Let me know. I expect at least one message saying that now. So uh, bring it on, I say. But uh, we always appreciate any feedback along the way. Great episodes coming your way. Next episode, Colin, myself, and Jared will be back for another episode of just us talking about the Olympics in some capacity. 
rankings episode, discussion episode. It's going to be one of those. I won't spoil it for you right now, but uh, tune in next episode to hear the gang back together to chat about whatever we are chatting about then. Then we've got some fantastic interviews coming your way. Some Olympic medalists to uh, come down your speakers, including an Olympic gold medalist in a couple of weeks from Canada. Great chat that we've got there. We've got some other Olympic medalists from both Canada and Australia lined up as well. And we keep teasing it, but it's coming. Don't worry. The debut of soccer on this show, our first athlete from soccer. And a little bit later this year as well, I've mentioned a couple of times, we will be doing a year ahead to Paris episode, our looking ahead to Paris 2024 episode. That'll drop just on the year anniversary, uh, well, the year away from the Paris Olympics. So stay tuned for that as well. So plenty to keep you entertained and excited for on Off the Podium you know you love it. That's why you're listening right now, and you've got plenty more to love in the coming weeks. Big thanks again to Lo for her time. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull. As always, we uh, need to wrap this up in the manner which I'm doing right now. That is saying, my name is Ben. This is Off the Podium. And as always, remember to go left. When the stars make you through just like pasta when you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, Senor. Excuse me, but you see back in old night.